0: Thank you for choosing to listen to the sermons of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We meet at 2309 Ninth Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you as our guests. If you live in our area, we would love to study the Bible with you. You can call us anytime to set up a Bible study or just to gain more information at 205-486-9247. Also, visit our website, com, or check us out on Facebook by simply searching for Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Now we hope you'll join us for a study of God's Word as we seek to follow Him each and every day from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We don't have time tonight to go through the entire book of Romans. But the book of Romans, as most of you know, is one of the densest, deepest books in the New Testament, if not the densest, if that's a word, and deepest books in the New Testament. It's a letter that Paul, of course, wrote to that congregation. In fact, one a preacher one time did a series of lessons on the book of Romans that, by the way, I'm not going to present to you because it was 258 lessons long. But he called that series the greatest letter ever written. It's not a bad title for thinking of the, Rome, the book of Romans, the greatest letter ever written. But as deep as that book is, as dense as that book is, it really falls very naturally into just two parts. If you're going to outline the book of Romans, you would find that the first chapters are what we might call the theological section, some call it the doctrinal section. This really is the extremely dense material. It takes a lifetime, quite literally, to dig as deeply into those 11 chapters as you can and really understand what Paul was trying to get at at various points through that section of Scripture. If you notice, our Scripture was not from that part of the book of Romans. Because in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, there's a very important word, and it's the word therefore. Maybe the most famous verses found in Romans chapter, the book of Romans, I should say, are the first two verses of Romans chapter 12, where Paul said, I appeal to you therefore. With those two verses, and especially with that word, therefore, Paul transitions into the second part of the book, chapters 12 through 16, which is what has often simply been called the practical part of the book. Based on all of this deep and dense material found in the first 11 chapters, therefore, how do I live that out? It's interesting to read those five chapters, chapters 12 through 16 of Romans, and see that what Paul does for those chapters is give quite literally dozens of practical points of application. Some of them are several verses long, some are as short as three or four words. But all of them have to do with those two verses that begin Romans chapter 12. How do I present my body as a living sacrifice? How do I renew my mind? For five chapters, Paul gives application after application after application as to how to live that way. And with that in mind, we're going to turn to one verse that we read a few moments ago. It's Romans chapter 12 and verse 12, where Paul very simply gives three of those very short points of application. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. What I want to do tonight is use those three things to show us how we can deal with a time of transition. I think if we can grasp in our minds what those three very short, very simple points of application really mean, that whether it's our seniors and their families going through a time of transition, or whether it's any transition we might face in this life, if we can have these three things in the back of our mind, not everything is going to be easy all the time. But we'll face these times of transition with more confidence and more trust in God. In the first place, Paul says that there must be an exaltation. Rejoice. Rejoice in hope. Now remember that Paul was writing to some who were enduring persecution. We'll see more about that in just a couple of moments. But he commands them to continue to rejoice because they have hope. Hope in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19. I think I'm going to go to this microphone, Ethan. Hope in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19 is called the anchor of the soul. You know, those who are Christians can anchor their soul in hope because we know that Christ provides the only hope of overcoming the world. As the song says, in spite of all the lies that some may hurl, Christ is the only hope of all the world. You know, we face a time of transition. We're often filled with very troubling and difficult decisions and thoughts. Some questions that sometimes kind of haunt us, and we can't sometimes we can't really seem to find a "quote unquote" right answer to the question. What if I've made the wrong decision? What if I fail? What if this doesn't work out? What if I don't measure up to the standards of this? What this change requires, this transition requires of me? You know, those questions are very normal. They're understandable. They're natural. But if our faith is grounded in God, we have hope not just of good things in this life, but of something far, far more important, and that is the hope of the next life. It's not to diminish those questions and difficulties we face, those those things that trouble our minds, but we begin to understand that those things are not the ultimate questions of life. The ultimate questions of life are simply, is my soul right with God? Jesus was trying to prepare his apostles for An amazing time of transition when he would die on the cross and ultimately a few weeks later when he would ascend back into heaven. And do you remember he was giving them some instructions and sayings to make certain that they were reassured that they had this kind of hope. And some of the most beautiful words found anywhere in Scripture are John chapter 14 when he said, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms or mansions or dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if, since, I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. John 14, verses 1 through 4. Folks, that's hope. Because that's hope of the ultimate transition from this life to the next As our seniors, their families face transition, as we all face different transitions in life, we need to remember to rejoice because we don't have to worry about these transitions in life ultimately. We can exult in our hope because we have the ultimate transition to heaven that awaits us if we're simply faithful. But Paul also suggests in the second place that we must have endurance. Be patient in tribulation. We're simply not going to take the time tonight to... To rehearse all of the tribulations, persecutions, difficulties these early Christians were facing simply because they were obedient to God. But very sufficient to say they were being severely persecuted and as this letter to them was being penned by Paul and delivered to them it was worsening and was going to get worse the threats were growing the suspicions of being Christian the persecutions they were facing they were starting to mount more and more and Paul tells them specifically in this one very short as we have it four-word command to be patient be patient in those times of tribulation or persecution you don't need me to tell you that we're living in times where being a Christian maybe not be, we might be persecuted in the same way as we see the Christians in the first century, but it's becoming a world that's more antagonistic towards those who are faithful to God, those who really true uh, hold true to the pattern of New Testament Christianity. and whether our seniors go away to college or the military or just what we might call the work day world, they're, they're in, going into a world that does not like People who really hold to true New Testament Christianity. Who really say there is only one way to heaven. And yes, we live in the Bible Belt and for that we should be thankful. But even in the Bible Belt, to really hold true to the pattern of the New Testament is frowned upon quite often. Oh, it's okay to be somewhat religious and and say it's just good to be a good person. But to really say there is one way, that's frowned upon. But we must remain patient. We must continue to say there really is only one way, as the song says, to the pearly gate. We really must say I'm not going to move away from the teachings of Scripture, not an inch. And while it may not be the same as being fired from a job or put in prison or even killed like some first century Christians were and, quite frankly, where other Christians are elsewhere in the world even today, Tribulation persecution is still real for those who are faithful. You recall that Paul would tell Timothy that those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, 1 Timothy chapter 4. As he neared the end of the letter to the Ephesians, Paul told the Christians in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And you recall that that begins that section that deals with putting on the whole armor of God. And Paul writes about all those specific things we could go into, have series of lessons, and vacation Bible school lessons, of what all those different parts of the armor are so we can stand against Satan's wiles or schemes, literally Satan's methods. But it's the words that precede that Christian armor and the words that bring it at the end that I want you to think about. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13 precedes that Christian armor with these words, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. And then at the end of that Christian armor, Paul would summarize it by saying in verse 18, To that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Think about some of those phrases that Paul wrote. Be able to stand Stand firm, keep alert, have perseverance. What's Paul saying? If we are Christians, we are going to face difficulty, even persecution or tribulation as he would word it here. When we face that, God has given us all that we need. God has given us the ability to withstand, to persevere, and to come out faithfully on the other side. When you face transition, be willing to endure. And that's good in the physical world. We sometimes talk about how we need to build up our bodies and sometimes that takes resistance in our bodies and that builds up muscles. You know I'm an expert at that, building up muscles. But but it's far more in the spiritual... Why would you laugh at that? It's far more in the spiritual realm where sometimes we face those times of trial and if we're faithful, we come out stronger on the other side because we built up our spiritual muscles by being faithful to God a poet wrote these words. Every time I slip and fall, it's for you, Lord, that I call and call. Sometimes it's hard to get back up. Then you come and fill my cup. I know you're there, and I hear you say, get up, get up, get up and go. Don't stay down, get up and go. You have things I want you to do, you know. Get going. Get up, you're clean and pure. I've washed away your guilt. Of that, you can be sure. We must endure. And when we do, we're persevering. And then last but not least, Paul says if we're going to face transition, we must have an expression. We must have an expression. Be constant in prayer. Of course, that probably brings to mind a more famous verse from the Apostle Paul found in First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, where he very famously wrote, to pray without ceasing. Sometimes we might think of prayer as sort of a a a once-a-day activity or something we just do at mealtimes or even just something we sort of check off our list. Yeah, I've prayed today, check. that's, That's it for today. But in reality, we all know deep down within us that prayer should be a way of life. We should see prayer as something that is constant communication or the word we're choosing tonight, a constant expression toward our Father who loves us, who cares about the things that are on our hearts, both the good things and the bad things. You know, I know that God already knows What we need before we ask. We all understand that. But when we pray, we are expressing those things in a way that helps our mind begin to deal with them and begin to have peace with them because we're placing them before the throne of God. And it reminds us each time we do that, that God really is listening. Yes, at all times we should be praying. But should that not be especially true when we're facing a time of transition and decision making, we often, when we're facing a time of transition, sometimes we either only see the very best; everything's just going to be fantastic, or depending on a personality style, we only see the worst. Everything's going to fall apart if this happens. I don't know how prayer does this, but sometimes prayer helps us see that the truth, is usually somewhere in the middle. Probably not everything is going to be absolutely perfect all the time if we make this decision or that decision. But probably not everything is going to be absolutely wonderful at ter- whichever end if I make this decision or that decision but expresses both the fears and the joys before God. Prayer helps us lay those concerns and helps us begin to formulate in our, in our thoughts that we can deal with whatever is before us. If a transition and the decisions that come along with it frighten or even weary you, remember the words we often sing, oh, how praying rests the weary. Prayer will change the night today. So when life seems dark and dreary, don't forget To pray, If your transition is filled with joy, pray that you won't be overcome with that joy to the point of being overconfident, proud of yourself. Instead, pray as Jesus told His apostles that you may not enter into temptation. But whatever you're facing, have that expression. Be willing to come with prayer from the very depths of your soul. Sometimes take the time to read some of the Psalms and notice the wording, the, the absolute depths that are found in those Psalms. And if I may say so by my own life, maybe you think about this your own life, compare that with the way you pray or I pray. Often it doesn't measure up. It's not, Prayer is not a competition. But sometimes my prayers are nowhere near as emotionally driven, as deep from within as they need to be. They're not finding that expression that's there. When you're facing transition, have that expression. We're thrilled to be honoring these young men tonight and their families. They've, they're completing a, a great time in their lives. We know that they're going to stand out from the world because faithful Christians always do. We pray they're going to bring honor to God wherever they happen to go. And we're honored here in a little while to show them our honor by appreciating them in this way. But you know, one thing that all need to understand is there's one transition we all must make, and that's the transition from spiritual death spiritual death. To spiritual life. It's only found in the waters of baptism. That transition is one we all must make. Because if we make that transition from spiritual death to spiritual life, we'll be ready for the transition we all know we will face. It is a point unto men once to die, and after that, the judgment. Are you ready for that transition? You see, in reality, that's the only transition that really matters. Am I ready for that one? Am I ready to let God move me from a place of lostness to a place of salvation? That happens when I submit my life to His by being willing to say, Jesus really is Lord. I'm turning from sin, and God, I'm ready to submit my will in baptism where sins are washed away. Have you done that? As a Christian, are you living in such a way that you're prepared for that ultimate transition at the end of life? Whenever that may occur, life is but a vape. We understand those contexts. Am I ready for when the end of this life comes to transition from this mortal body to that immortal body that will be mine in heaven if I'm faithful? If you're not ready for that transition, we'd love to pray with you tonight to encourage you or ask for forgiveness if such is your need. But tonight... We're ready to honor our seniors. We're ready for that wonderful reception in a few minutes. But, folks, I know these seniors, I know their families, and I know this congregation will have to know that we will put all of that off for a few moments. We'll put all of that off for a few moments if someone needs to become a Christian or someone needs prayers. That's what this life is about. That's what tonight is about. Is tonight your night to make that decision. If so, we invite you to come while we stand and sing to encourage you.